The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us, everyone, for Minute 13 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. In the previous minute, our pirate, Mr. Smith, began a mental arm wrestling match with two British Royal Marines, Murtaugh and Mulroy while attempting to gain access to this civilian-restricted dock that's mooring a naval vessel. Minute 13 begins with Mr. Smith telling Murtaugh and Mulroy there is some sort of fancy to-do up at the fort, and how could it be that two fine, upstanding gentlemen such as them did not merit an invitation? The minute ends with the debate between Murtaugh and Mulroy regarding the existence of the Black Pearl, with Mulroy saying, You've seen a ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned and captained by a man so evil... Dot, dot, dot. The minute ends in mid-sentence. So I thought this to be a pretty good minute. We get to discover more about our pirate and the way he's a, he talks with his whole body. That and he does. he really is a close talker. <laughs> so we, we're not even that far into it. Maybe even a minute or just over a minute and we've already had a Seinfeld reference going on here. <laughs> Yeah, with uh, Judge Reinhold, I think it was, the close talker. In the Elaine's classic boyfriend, Seinfeld. maybe? Yeah, I think it was Elaine's yeah. boyfriend. Classic Seinfeld episode. <laughs> now I'm going to see these two always just within a centimeter of each other, just just seeing that whole moment there. Yeah, we should really listen to the Seinfeld cast, but that's, you know, now I can just see that, and now I'm getting nostalgic for Seinfeld all of a sudden. And <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll the, have to go through the whole series. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, is that Jerry then plays up with that, and he's just sitting so close, and he continues to talk like nothing's wrong. Ah, classic Seinfeld moment. But back to Pirates of the Caribbean minute. So I found an interesting fact about our pirate here, played by Johnny Depp. Pirate Mr. Smith? Pirate Mr. Smith, as we're we're calling him. Yeah, you know, we set up some rules that we're not going to really look ahead into the other minutes. And I didn't realize the ramifications of that. And now we have, it seems like an eternity has gone on, and we still have not been able to name or have not heard the name of his character yet, except Mr. Smith from the Harbor Master that he's established or introduced himself. It's like we're in this black hole or getting close to a black <laughs> hole where time extends. I mean, it's, it's we're in minute 13 and we just saw him a few minutes ago. But for us, my God, we just got to be able been... to say his name. It's all over my notes. I got to go back and say, well, you know, well, we can't break our own rules that we established because what would we be then? Pirates? And that's just ridiculous on a pirates podcast here. We can't like, be pirates. I know. Anyways, you were saying... So Disney executives weren't sure they liked the way Johnny was playing our pirate here. I can see that. First see it, it is something like, okay, what is going on here? And I'm trying to remember the first time that I saw this movie. And, you know, I really can't. I can't remember exactly going to the theater to watch it. So I'm not really sure how I took it. it. Maybe it was something to get used to or you kind of ease into the character. So I'm not really sure how that went. I don't know. Do you remember anything? I kind of thought I was, I think I was kind of wondering, well, is he, is this a gay pirate? You know? I don't know if you're supposed to say that, not that there's anything wrong with that. Or, or, you know, or is he drunk? Which is exactly what Disney thought he was playing, was either gay or drunk. 
I see. So I don't know what to say about that. I'm not sure I even want to touch that. You're saying <laughs> gay people are drunk. Is that what you're no, saying? No, gay or. Oh. Or. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. So I'm going to let that one sit and sink in. But again, that, you address know, all hate mail to Heather. <laughs> yeah. We're just Sorry, talking honestly I, here, folks. Don't... She's just reporting on what the filmmakers were saying and how that went. This is, yeah, we'll just go from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably not good. Maybe we should redo that. <laughs> we'll have a radio edit. Yeah. So they thought it was, you know, his exaggerated actions were a bit over the top. but for... Flamboyant. Yes, flamboyant. Verbinski and Bruckheimer stood by their choice. In fact, they said he played it brilliantly. Well, you know, it's it's grown on me. I can't see anybody yeah. else playing this character. No. And that's what I said. I don't know if it grew on me or if I accepted it right away. That, it, But it was breaking those traditional pirate roles that you see. Right. A pirate is a... We're not trying to get into stereotypes here. But a pirate... Well, maybe we are actually getting into stereotypes. Because yeah. that's what we're basing this off of. In our, in our feelings on this, or everybody's, or even like the filmmakers or Disney and the studio executives were saying, okay, what is going on here? Because the whole pirate notion that we've seen in every movie before this about pirates is that they are maybe gruff and rough and, mm-hmm. and they can, you know, they're not these, you know, something traditional or non-traditional person like this. It's kind of more of a comedic character has, you know, different mannerisms and things that are not necessarily associated with a pirate. Right. Yeah. So. It is completely different, and I can see where they were going with that. Anyways, you were saying, sorry to interrupt a thousand times. No, that's okay. That's what I had on that Disney, with the Disney executive's thoughts. And obviously, Johnny was really brilliant in this, and um, we did get used to him the way he was. But if you think about it, he's also kind of playing that way as a Mad Hatter, too. That's exactly right, yeah. You know, so it's kind of just Johnny's character and the way he, he likes to play his roles, yeah, he likes to really kind of create something that's really different that and you haven't unique seen before. And, yeah. and unique and something that stands out. And he's done that both with the Mad Hatter and with our Mr. Smith here. Yeah, we'll and say. you just don't see that played, you know, things like that played by a lot of other actors like this. So if Seinfeld has gotten away with not that there's anything wrong with that, I think we can, we're pretty safe to just yes. move forward. And that'll be our second <laughs> Seinfeld reference. That's the only reason we brought it up, just to have a second Seinfeld reference in this podcast. <laughs> so we'll just go from there. But I thought it would be perfect if I go ahead and reserve it now as I'm thinking ahead that this line that we were talking about, about the Black Pearl mm-hmm. and crewed by the dam, captain by a man so evil. I think this is definitely in contention for my favorite line of the week already. You're and picking your line I, of the week I on the very say, first minute. I didn't say I was picking it, but I haven't wow. heard any others yet. And we've just started because <laughs> we're only in the first 60 seconds. But just wanted to throw it out there for our really bad egg segment in which we pick out our favorite lines from the, the week. And I know it's not really good to within the first few seconds to go ahead and say that but i'm going to kind of put a hold on that but it is there is a disclaimer that it's subject to change i just really find that an interesting line i don't know what it is it is a very interesting line and the way that mulroy delivers it it just adds to that interesting you know ness in the line because he plays it so you know he's proving his point this is this is how can you believe that <laughs> the black pearl does not exist this is a story how can you be so naive <laughs> you know just a look on his face and draws his chin in and you know come on dude <laughs> well 
Yeah, it, it really is. I just really like that line. And I think that it has, and I think we can come back to that, or maybe we'll come back to that at some point. But it really is an interesting connection of things in mythology and stuff like that. So I just find it really, really an interesting kind of deal here with that. And I'll talk about it later, how it, how it kind of comes into a play as we move along in this segment. I hope you're not all hearing that, but we have our dog again in the studio. <laughs> And her a puppy, and she is playing with a toy, and she is going nuts. So yeah, she's been a little cooped up lately, so she's she's going a little crazy. <laughs> exactly. So I also wanted to mention that um, we also get to see Murtog and Mulroy, or as I like to call them, Eminem. So we're already giving them celebrity names yes, now. Eminem. So we get to see Eminem in action here. Um, these two are the funniest guards I've ever seen. I'm they, surprised you didn't call them like Murroy or some kind of crazy <laughs> celeb name thing that you do. Well, that. But Eminem is way better. Let's go with Eminem. Let's go Eminem. And so they think they're actually having this serious conversation about the Black Pearl. But in the audience, we are just cracking up because just their looks and just the, you know, the way they're talking about the Black Pearl and the crude by the damned and hell itself spat him out and, you know... It's just it's just pretty funny. Yeah, I was going to jump back to that, but since we're already talking about it, I, I completely agree with that line that Mulroy speaks. You know, you've seen a ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned and captained by a man so evil. You know, I really want to hear what where the rest of that goes because it's just got to be choice. But it conjures images of Blackbeard for me. That's what oh, I... Oh, wow, The really? first thing that I heard when I... Or when I heard that yeah. is... Blackbeard, and I don't know if it's specifically because it mentions black sails, or if Blackbeard is, you know, this most common pirate, or this one of the most commonly known pirates that, and that's why I get that image, mm -hmm. you know, just because of society and and legend and all that. But that's really what I get from that. It's this kind of evil thing, and at this stage, based on what we know, we don't really know if, you know, is this a straight pirate movie? Try not to spoil stuff here. Is this a straight pirate <laughs> movie or are we getting into some supernatural stuff? Let's just say that. I don't know really where this is going. I'm right. looking at it as this is just a straight pirate movie and when I see that, that's what it conjures to me oh, is okay. Blackbeard's ship because is, you know, is this a legend? And so... The, the, because he is able to to say this is almost like a, a a rhyme, and this gets back to the a pirate's life for me, and it's like you know the writers or maybe we interpreted it as something that this little girl knows about as a a rhyme that kids learned. Mm -hmm. Now I see this as something that's been written about in newspaper articles or has been handed down from other people as kind of these the string of words that's come across. The black pearl is this, and so there's this catchy thing that. Everybody can remember. And so that's why I see that this is more of something that people have heard about before the Black Pearl. And it's the stuff of legends. It's, so it's like everybody knows this legend. And it's a short like haiku poem legend. Yeah. That's easy to remember. When I get that, I and I think that that's why I think of Blackbeard because maybe he's like the most famous pirate that people commonly know, or that maybe the first one I really heard of, and that you see in movies and cartoons and everything else. So you know, and he was definitely a feared pirate, and it's gone down in history as such. That's I don't know. It just brought up Blackbeard to me, and you know, we're actually going to dive further into Blackbeard, you know, in movie three. Yeah. However many years that's going to be away <laughs> when it's on Stranger Tides because, you know, spoiler, there's a Blackbeard in that movie. Or, yeah, is it number three? or No, it's number four. Sorry about that. When we get to movie number four, 
on Stranger Tides, then we can go ahead and talk about that. But I thought, because we had already brought up Blackbeard, that I'd throw out a few things that I found when looking about Blackbeard. And his name was Edward Teach, and he intimidated intimidated his enemies by coiling smoking fuses into his long braided facial hair and by slinging multiple pistols and daggers across his chest. And so I think that we also need to make a note of that as a potential spoiler and look for this later on, and we can talk about it again. The writers are definitely doing some of their research and bringing some of these elements of reality yeah. and pirates into characters in this movie. So we'll, spoiler, we'll go ahead and talk about that later. But I thought that was an interesting kind of thing for Blackbeard to do to intimidate people. And he was actually killed in battle with the British Navy. And and again, this comes back to some legend. And what I was just talking about legend of this Black Pearl is that there's a legend with Blackbeard that it holds that he received 20 stab wounds and five gunshot wounds before he finally succumbed to death. Huh. So the so-called golden age of piracy of which Blackbeard was a major part would only last a few more years after his death. But countless books, plays, and movies, and we all know that stuff has been everywhere yeah. with Blackbeard. So maybe that's just part of it. It's just an interesting concept, I think. You know, at least when the writers maybe where they were doing that came up with something. And I was actually really interested in what did people think of pirates in the 18th century? Yeah. And... So I started doing some research, but I'm not going to get into it here because, you know, we're talking Pirates of the Caribbean. But there's some interesting stuff that happens that, you know, they really were of maybe some legend and there's some reality there. But people, you know, they had differing opinions on pirates and because some of them were privateers, which were hired by governments. So they were saw maybe seen as necessary evil. They Mm -hmm. were seen as evil, but then they were, you know, so there's all kinds of different things that they were seen as. Uh, not just as, you know, death incarnate, if you will. They were actually seen as uh, potentially having some good at some point. And so there's, and then there was changes over history. And then they started to be called like, you know, a scourge on mankind and, you know, all these kinds of nasty things. But uh, definitely an interesting take, I think. And it would be really cool to really hear what people of the day thought of pirates at the time. You know, we're, you know, I, I that would just really interest me to see that because then it kind of plays into what we're seeing in this movie. Right, because it was more of a scuttlebud, if you want to say, of people talking about the pirates that made them, people fear them and the storytelling and everything, right? Not so much the fighting, but more of the storytelling and people passing that information around. Well, that gets back to what we were talking about with the black flag, the Jolly Roger. And, you know, that they flew this flag or unfurled it when they got close to try and strike that fear into people without having to really go to battle. It was the intimidation tactics yeah. and the fear tactics. So some interesting stuff and uh, quite the history with pirates I'm delving into. And it's pretty spectacular, actually. Huh. Very cool. Yeah. And speaking, since we're already on that, and I guess I'll just have to you know go back to my, my notes and circle back. That legend, if we want to call it, of the Black Pearl, maybe we'll, we'll mm-hmm. call it that, mentions black sails as well. And so I also thought... Is this something that was common in the 18th century? Is that a ship would have black sails? Right. And I didn't really find much on the subject besides some people on forums debating it, you know, on some websites uh, and a few small references here and there, but nothing that really satisfied me or said, hey, this is truth. Here's our reference point. It was more people like us talking yeah. in forums or trying to reference some articles or some things in research that they found. So nothing really came to a point that said this is exactly what happened or there were these examples of black sails and stuff. And so some say that black sails, and so this is all just, you know, kind of culminating this this look kind of research I did. And some say that black sails would help conceal a ship at night and allow them to surprise victims. Mm-hmm. 
because it's not reflecting any of that light or you know it wouldn't be as apparent. Others claim that tanned or colored sails would stand out less against the land than bright white ones. But you can imagine handling dark sails under the sun too would could be very reflect, hot. If you're yeah. if you're just in the the Caribbean or under a hot sun all day right. long, and you got to be walking on those or handling them, they, these things would get pretty toasty and attract that heat. Right. You know all the all the um, movies where people are shipwrecked. It's all they're always under this this sun that's like yeah, beating exactly. down heat. And you have those black sails would just add to that. Yeah, and if you're having to handle them and maneuver them, it could get pretty hot on your hands yeah. and your feet and whatever else you're walking on. And then others mentioned that the black sails were a result of a preservative to ensure the long life of the sails, but it was really more like a dark brown or dark color, uh, you know, dark color like that. And so they're saying that, well, black sounds much better than if it was dark brown. It, right. You know, it gets into the fear tactics again. Uh, but dark colors were more expensive and the sun would also fade them to gray, you know, not in not too long. So there's all these right. different arguments. And traditional sails were commonly made of cotton, canvas, wool, hemp, you know, jute, and some of these other fibers. And so they all tended to rot or lose strength to one degree or another when wet. And so that's why some places, uh, like in Europe and America, for instance, especially on fishing boats and small craft, tended to tan or have their sails that were tanned oh, with various okay. mixtures of like boiled bark, tallow, ochre, and other ingredients to make them last longer and to preserve them. Huh, very interesting. But yeah, so no real evidence that I found exactly yet of black, black sails, sails, which is re- really where I was trying to go. It's like, I just wanted some quick fact that I could look yeah. up and say, oh, here's an example of a black sail that was used or something like that. And I didn't. And the reason why is uh, stars, and it's something that's on my list and I haven't watched yet, and it's shame on us, is that I think it was 2014, stars uh, you know, t- has a TV series or... Uh, on their cable series and it's called black flag and i forgot I forgot all about it until now but hmm. i have it on a, a watch list and so basically it's a pirate show and so when i typed in stuff about black flag and stuff that, i got all these search results and i thought score i'm gonna have an answer yeah turned out every one of these things was about this tv, TV show? show black flag and so that huh. really skewed all my results and so <laughs> whatever the truth is for this whole le- Black Pearl legend, it did make an impression on me. And so it's, I guess it served its purpose as far as the film is concerned. I got really interested in it and yeah. uh, left a telling mark upon my soul, if we want to say, <laughs> say something like that. For sure. Hopefully it's not a black mark. Oh, there's plenty of black marks on my soul. black marks aren't good. Uh, yeah. Crude by the Damned is probably a reference to me, actually. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. So I'd like to go back to the beginning yeah, of the, after, into as we as we jumped around and, <laughs> and went on this long talk about the Black Pearl legend. We should probably circle back to <laughs> yeah. the So when the pirate when the pirate asked the two guards, how could it be that two upstanding gentlemen such as yourself not merit an invitation? If you look at Murtog, he looks almost a little hurt. Um, when he's explaining that the they needed to somebody needed to guard the ship, he's a little upset that he didn't get that invitation and really? wasn't able to be I don't at know the if ceremony. I that part. Well, I kind of do that, you know, pause and pause and pause through the through the minute to kind of yeah. see catch little things. But yeah, he kind of looked a little disappointed that he wasn't at the ceremony. Well. Trust me, I think if when we get to that, you're not going to want to be at that ceremony. I no. think that's just not a place for no. him, is what I can imagine. Especially if you got people like Governor Swan going to be there. I, I already know what kind of setting that's going to be. 
And that's definitely a... That's but, not the kind of uh, party that a, a Marine is going to want to go to, I think. No, but it gives him a little more Social higher status. stature, you know, to be in that rather than to be off guarding a He's ship. He's hanging out with uh, Mr. Smith. What more fun is that <laughs> yeah. going to be? Where would you rather be? <laughs> hanging out with Mr. Smith or hanging out, you know, with Governor Swan, Norrington, and, and those folks? I think I'll take Mr. Smith. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. And I He's think Elizabeth wants to be there, too. Yeah. She's got the gold medallion. She already wants to be there. We know it. She's yeah. just She has to go because her dad told her to, basically. <laughs> but I did want to get back, as we're talking about Murtaugh, Mulroy, and... Or Mr. Smith here, Pirate Man. Or Eminem. Eminem. Is that the writers were talking about, I was listening to the writers talk about this, and they were saying that the characterization and personality of Jack, oops, spoiler, Mr. Smith, is what they wrote about, but the expression of that is purely Johnny Depp. And so the character really is exactly what they described, but it was nothing what they expected. And I think this gets back to what you were first talking about from the studio executive. It's what it was described, but it wasn't what they expected because they went in there with those rose-colored glasses or that preconceived notion of this is what a pirate does and this is how he acts. Mm -hmm. And that's not exactly what they saw at first. But... I think they're now saying, yeah, we made the right choice to move forward with that because I think that set this movie completely aside from other pirate movies. And in fact, you were talking about, I think it was Gore Verbinski, you were talking about the director who said that, or I think he shared a quote that he was saying that pirate movies hadn't been done very well or haven't succeeded or the genre has failed basically the last recent years. And that might be the issue. Is that trying to do the same thing over just wasn't going to work anymore. It had already been done and people knew it. So now you had to try something completely different. Right. And so there's multiple variables here. You have a whole different type of pirate story, for instance, here. Mm-hmm. And we'll have, we have all kinds of good stuff to come on that. It really did change how that was, how that's, how this movie is and set itself apart from other pirate other movies in this genre, if you yeah. will, other pirate movies. And so I think that's really great. And they chose Johnny Depp for this reason. That's exactly right. To separate it, to make it different, and to make it, change it from the ride. That's right. You know, so there was a reason to to pick Johnny Depp. Yeah, because if if you didn't really want that in your heart, and the studio executives okayed that, or if they have to okay that, then they would have hired somebody else to play that role. And and to go there, somebody you know, you'd have more of a Clint Eastwood type person or, right. or something. Right, somebody doing that. a little tougher and yeah. a little. Not to say Johnny's not tough. Exactly. <laughs> you don't. You don't see it you right heard now. It here first. <laughs> Heather just said Johnny Depp is not tough. Johnny, if you're hearing this, that wasn't me. So we'd love I, to have I said you on the show. Not to say he's not tough. Okay, there you go. You just don't get that hard line with him. You know that hard, tough line with him that you'll see with some of our other pirate characters, perhaps later on. If there's other pirate characters. That's right. We don't know. Besides Elizabeth Swan, the first pirate yes. in the Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise. And, and she doesn't have that hard line. No. <laughs> and, and as we're talking about Johnny Depp here, or his character, he really is, and even with the the writers, this classic trickster that they put in yes. here. And they compared him to Bugs Bunny or to Groucho Marx figure, which is interesting. Mm. Or... Bugs Bunny playing Groucho Marx because I clearly remember as a kid watching Bugs Bunny dressed as Groucho Marx. Yeah. So he definitely had the the cigar and the mustache at the time. That but he did. That's why it worked out so well in this particular minute. And I'm guessing that in, it's going to happen in the minutes to come too because our pirate here couldn't be this believable or pull this kind of character or classic trickster off without living in this world that has some certain level of absurdum. Right. 
And that's really what we get from Murtaugh and Mulroy. You know, they're easily distracted. They start <laughs> discussing the existence and mythology of the Black Pearl between themselves. Yes. They're they're trying to prevent a pirate-looking guy, if we want to call it, a civilian. <laughs> we'll just say, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, a civilian in their eyes. Obviously not somebody who's supposed to be on the dock from tre- from trespassing or going further on there. And they easily get sidetracked with a discussion on, you know, mythology versus re- reality. Right. And and it's just like, you know, Bugs Bunny here threw them a worm or a carrot, maybe we should say. And they took it hook, line, and sinker. And they start arguing amongst themselves. Yes. Our pirate does not think he's a civilian, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He does clearly say that if he sees any civilians, he'll let them know. Yes. He's not a civilian. <laughs> but I don't think... Th- they didn't really buy that. I think he needs no. a different uniform if you are going to pull that off. If he had a uniform, he could have slipped by these guys, definitely. Yes. I also found an NPR show from 2008 that actually discussed Bugs Bunny. I hadn't heard this, but can you imagine that there is actually a national public radio show that actually centered around Bugs Bunny? And it was him as the classic trickster and and what makes that character go. So they were like, what makes Bugs Bunny Bugs Bunny? Or what makes Bugs Bugs? And the quote from the show was, well, the bunny's mercurial nature is essential to his appeal. Bugs is nice, but a bit of a bully, appealing and scary, high culture and low. He morphs from one to the other seamlessly. And that's what we're starting to see with our Mr. Smith character. (laughs) He is Bugs Bunny. And it's here we get an eye roll from Johnny Depp when he realizes that whatever his plan was, you know, he has struck gold with Murtaugh and Mulroy. Oh, yeah. Maybe some boredom. You know, you can kind of see him like get this, you know, roll his eye. Like, Jesus, are we really getting into this? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, I think he's like, okay, maybe... They have lost focus, and this is going to be my opportunity to, yeah. to shine or to move on or to... I have a new plan of action now because... Or maybe it's all part of his plan. He just goes... We already see that he kind of lives by the day or the moment. Yes. And so this is part of it. He's feeling out this situation, and he goes, okay, this is going to work on these guys, or it's not. And he's saying, well, you know, I had something a little different plan, but it was easy just to tell him <laughs> about the Black Pearl because he set him up. They, they say about the Interceptor is the fastest ship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because actually what he does is he says, why would you be guarding this one or care about this one when there's the Dauntless there, this huge big one? And and they're like, well, the Interceptor is the fastest ship. Then he says, nothing can catch the Interceptor, basically. And he says, well, what about the Black Pearl? And so that's, and he just, he knows that they're going to get into this argument or he can create a situation with them. I found that actually kind of interesting when Murtaugh was telling the story about the Dauntless and the Interceptor. He actually, he's telling this story and Murtaugh's getting all proud that he can explain this to our pirate about the two ships and the differences between them. Yes, this is a fine ship, but this one's faster and there's no ship that can beat it. And he's all proud and confident. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I found that kind of interesting and kind of cute in a way, you know, because he's just all, he gets this, his chest puffs out and he's telling him, I know my facts about these two ships, you know? I think it talks, I think that says something about his character and their characters that, you know, they are not just, you know, British kind of military, but they really believe in it and this is what they do and they're going to uphold those principles. Yeah. I don't have anything else, actually. Oh, I wanted to mention. Of course. Whenever I say that, then she's going to throw out something. (laughs) 
For one thing, the Dauntless is in the background. We've seen that in minute one. That's right. Yep. And as in the last minute, there are people rowing in the background. Yeah. I noticed that too. <laughs> rowing back and forth. <laughs> they are. They're still going. So it's been, you know, eight years later <laughs> since 2000. 2000- Three when this movie came out. We're in 2017 now, so 14 years later. And these people, I wonder if they're still rowing out there. Yeah. Those poor guys. So they in- may not even come in for the day. They may they may have said, you know what, you guys are doing such a great job. Just keep in character and keep rowing. <laughs> Just keep but rowing. They are little roasters yeah. out there. So um, and on our DVD, it we have a little sec- a section. That gives us little facts about, you know, just general little facts about life. It said that the British Navy felt that their ships were superior to all others, which goes to um, Mer- uh, Mulroy's comment that the Interceptor is the fastest ship. There is no Black Pearl. There's nobody that can beat it. I see where you're going with that, yeah. I mean, the British Royal Navy was the strongest Navy in the world for a long time. And so there is a bit of confidence that goes with that and nobody can touch us. And so I think we see that there. And uh, God forbid you mention a ship that could actually beat it. It doesn't exist. (laughs) And I think the fact that it's crewed by the damned and captained by a man so evil... And in their world, that just doesn't even make sense. That's the stuff yeah. of legend. And yeah. I think that's really, you know, that's also part of it is they're talking, this is legend stuff. You know, they they don't see supernatural stuff on a regular basis or ever. And so that's just something that has been handed down maybe, well, since the Black Pearl became crude by the damned, I guess. <laughs> so that's that's all I have for this minute. All right. Thank goodness. <laughs> So we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 14 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Shiver me timbers! (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags. <laughs>